Hey, hey, podcast listeners, in case you've not seen, the Unashamedly You conference details have been dropped on our Instagram account. You need to go and check it out for September 23rd, the meet and greet for the Inner Circle guest on September 22nd. If you've not entered the giveaway, make sure and share this podcast or one of your favorites that you're listening to, to your stories on Instagram and tag us so that we know you've done that. If your account's private, make sure and message us to let us know so that we don't miss it as well. You only have two weeks left to enter because we are going to be announcing the winner on the podcast on April the 28th. So make sure that you enter if you've not done that yet. And we cannot wait to see all of you there. Hello and welcome to the Unashamedly You podcast, a space to enlighten, encourage, and empower you to go out and unashamedly be who God is calling you to be. I am your host, Jamie Herndon. I pray you hear less of me and more of him as you listen to today's episode. Let's grow together. We are so honored to welcome a lady that alongside her husband is being used mightily as an evangelistic team all around the country. She has her own podcast called At His Feet. I'm sure many of you have listened. If you've not yet, make sure to do so. But we are so excited to have you on the Unashamedly You podcast. Sister Cindy Fish, welcome to the podcast and introduce yourself. Thank you for having me and um, asking me to be on here. I'm really excited. My name is Cindy, Cindy Fish. I'm 31 years old. I know a lot of women don't like to say their age, but 31, I don't feel old yet. So I'm okay saying it. Uh, I've been married for almost eight years at this point. We live a somewhat hectic life evangelizing as a family of five. We have three children, uh, six and under, but it's so much fun. Um, some things about me as a mom, sometimes you get lost and I had to think, who am I? I don't know. Um, I like to read usually multiple books at once. I have a stack and I just get kind of distracted and I go through all of them, but in time I finish. I love to read. I love a good cup of coffee, especially when I don't have to drink it cold, when it's hot the whole way through the cup. You know, as a listener, if you're listening and you like the Enneagram, uh, easy way to describe myself is I'm an Enneagram two wing three. In the past, I've seen this label and I couldn't have related to it more. It says, an introverted extrovert. I know an extroverted introvert and I relate. So I need that time by myself to recoup and recharge, but I do love people. And I love the main thing is I love people's stories. I just think it's fascinating what God does and what all God can bring people through and all of that. So I'm an extroverted introvert. And then I think I had to think about this. I thought if if I wanted someone to describe me in one word, what would I want them to say? And I think more than anything, I would just hope that I would be thought of as an encourager. So that's my heart is to be an encourager. And that's hopefully who I am. I don't always succeed at it, but that's what I want to be. Well, you definitely succeed at it in every way that I have known you. You are such an encourager and encouragement to people all around the world, which is one reason why I feel like a lot of reason why your husband has seen the success that he has seen is because of 
a woman that's standing behind him and praying and being an encouragement to people all over the world. So you're a way bigger part of things than what you probably even know. And you're definitely an encourager. And I'm thankful for that. I do agree on the coffee part. If I can drink the coffee hot all the way through, it's like the best cup ever. (laughs) (laughs) With all the microwave, we need one of those. Is it Ember? Is that the brand? There's this brand of cup that heats up for you. I really need that. (laughs) It's like a hundred dollars, but it would be a hundred (laughs) dollars worth it. You know, (laughs) totally. Then you don't realize how long your coffee has sat there because it's still hot. (laughs) So you and your husband, Reverend Taylor Fish, are such a powerful evangelistic team being used around the country. And you guys just left a nine month revival at FPC NLR. We were so blessed, but we know everyone has a beginning story and we want to hear the beginning story before you became known as Sister Cindy Fish. Okay. I want to first say nine months is absolutely crazy and we've never been anywhere that long. And so even to us, when we look at all the things that God did through that nine months, I can't tell you how many services we would leave and be like, can you believe God? Can you believe what God is doing? So we just are thrilled and just feel so honored to have gotten to be a part of it and to have met all of you because it's an awesome church. It's an incredible church with great leaders. We we were so blessed to have you guys. Also, we've never been in a very long revival at all. So some people will talk about these months and months of revival, and that really hasn't been the case for FPC NLR, but with the nine months that you guys were here, even so many people were saying, they're like, we don't feel like that. We're just in revival. We feel like that the fishes are just a part of us and a part of our church. So it was just a special time of something that the Lord did. And I'm going to interject this here and say that a part of that revival, my dad is one that came to God. And one of the first services that he was in was when we got the impossible prayer list. And I've thought so many times, His name would have been at the very top, but instead of my dad having to be on top of my impossible prayer list, he was sitting beside me and we were writing things down together and God did things for him and marked things off of his prayer list. So it's just so special, but that revival will be something forever special to me and my family. And my son got the Holy Ghost the last night of the revival. So God really moved in our family with you guys. I love seeing what God has done and is doing for your dad. Taylor, his dad has similar struggles. And so we just obviously have just compassion and our heart just hurts for it, you know? And so to see what God's done for your family has encouraged us and to see your dad walk in, you know, each time a little different, it was just so cool to see so much. We could just list it on and on all the things God did and probably not cover it, but, um, I want to get back (laughs) to your question. (laughs) We could just talk and talk. So before we were married, I guess I could start at when I was 17 years old, I walked into an apostolic church for the first time. I was not raised in church. My parents did the very best that they could with what they knew, but they had no knowledge in raising me of truth and of just all the things that God truly has to offer us. That's not surface level. So I attended regular churches, you know, through the years scattered on Easter on different things or or our family would get this burst and we'd go to church, but it was never something real. And it was never something that stuck. And so it was fun to go to Sunday school and those things, but it just never was more than that. My parents were divorced when I was five or four. So it wasn't together as a family, but my dad ended up in 1999 
he worked next door to an apostolic church in Beaumont, Texas. And Jason Cisco was the pastor or something like that at the time. And he walked next door and he said, Hey, can I pray here on my lunch break? And my dad was just broken and hungry and just needed God. Like he was at that reach the end of yourself type of place. And so my dad goes in and that's my connection to truth. And so 11 years later, my dad starts going 1999. And then 11 years later, I lived with my dad, my senior year of high school. I didn't live for God. I went to church on Sunday morning. I thought these people are nuts. I want no part of this. I remember the first service I walked into, I scanned the crowd. I was in the very back of the church and I scanned the sanctuary and I just had this immediate thing like, there is no place for me here. I do not fit here. I will never be that. I could never be that because I knew my sin. Even at 17 years old, I was just reckless and I was just wild. And I just, I was a mess and I needed God really bad, just surrounded by sin. Whatever I could get my hands on is what I would do. And so finally, though, at the end of that school year, I went every Sunday morning for a whole school year and didn't allow God to touch me. I was so hardened, but it's a kind of a long story, but I got to church camp that summer. So it's the summer before I'm supposed to leave for college. We pull up to this church camp and I didn't really want to go, but I kind of wanted to go. It was just, I didn't really know what I thought. And so I pull up though, and I see all these kids, just this crowd of kids swarming on this, you know, just outside on this big field. And I look at these kids and I just said in my mind, I didn't pray out loud at the time, right? Uh, I just said, God, if there's something here, then I want it. But if not, I'll go do my own thing. So I had my college plans and I had done competitive cheerleading from fourth grade until graduation. And I was going to cheer in college. That doesn't mean I was like the best ever. It just means that I dedicated my life to competitive cheerleading and that extremeness of, of it. But um, that camp, God did have something for me. And that thing that I saw, like there was like this spark. And I just thought, if there's something to this, then God, I'll take it. But if not, I know what I'll do and I'll just live my life the way all my family has lived their life. And um, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I came back from that church camp and just sold out. Like I got home and I got rid of everything that didn't fit with God. And I just sold out. And that from that point on, it was just steps towards God. Coming to God, especially at that point in your life, it's so gradual. It's getting rid of this and then going on a little further and then God just checking your spirit and getting rid of this attitude or, you know, different thing, a weird habit or a way you talk or the way you react, all that. So I just took steps towards God. And eventually about a year into living for God, I got asked to teach Sunday school. So I started teaching kindergarten Sunday school and I absolutely loved it. I didn't have I guess much else to do. So I I loved decorating the room and I loved planning activities and all this stuff you would do for Sunday school. And that grew. And I realized I started working with the youth and helping be a chaperone on trips and drive the church van and, you know, different things like that, being an encourager to the, the girls that were coming up. And I was very new in church, but I was so sold out that God said, okay, I'll use it. And later I was asked in that first couple of span of years, I was asked to teach at a assisted living facility. This um, elder lady in my church asked me to do it. And I thought, there's no way I don't have any words to say. <laughs> you know, 
but I did it because I was asked and I just thought, okay, God, I am willing. And I don't know what you want from me, but I just want to do whatever. So I guess I would say before being married, my husband was a preacher before we got married, but I was involved in ministry before we got married too. And it might've looked a little different, but I was so sincere and I was all in. And I just said, God, whatever, whatever you'll allow me to do is what I'll do. And I'll do it with everything. God is so merciful listening to your story and hearing that because it reminds me so much of second Corinthians five seventeen. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yeah. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I'm sure most of the people that are listening to this, that did not know your background and your backstory assumes that you were raised in church. You've always been a part of this. You've always done this because you are a new creation. Just so amazing to watch what God has done with you and through you, because really if that was at 18 and you're only 31, it hasn't been that many years that you've been a part of all this and to watch what God has done. And then you talking about to be an encourager. And you just started off that way. (laughs) You started off just encouraging people to do this. Once your eyes were open and you saw the light. let me ask this question. Whenever you got in church and whenever you decided all those things, what happened with the cheer camps and what happened with all those plans? What did you do? And what did your family react to that? Oh, okay. So you heard it originally. My, my dad was in the church and my mom is not. And I believe that one day she will be. But currently she's not. And so when I got the Holy Ghost and I said, hey, mom, I had already met the team. I had already been to a practice with this team, you know, went through the tryouts, all that stuff. And I knew from that one practice who they were and the things they did and the party they went to the night before as far as the veterans on the team. And that was all the stuff I was already doing. And so I knew there is no way as far as just lifestyle. Of course, the the way I would have to dress and all that, that's a whole different thing. And that's obvious. But as a new convert, you almost can make justifications for stuff. But I knew, hey, these people are doing what I've done for a couple of years now. And there's no way I can live for God and be around that party scene. And so I told my mom, I said, and I don't want anyone to think bad about her. She just doesn't understand. And as a divorced parents of mine, they, they've never got along. They've never liked each other. You know, they've never gotten over it, but she hated it. She absolutely hated it. And I'll just be honest and say that I had a lot of family pull away from me and it was very lonely. And as a girl, your mom, that's someone that's really close to you. And, and I love my mom, but I don't have a relationship with her. I would love to. And I'm, I think in time, God will do that. But at that point, especially there was a lot of distance created, a lot of things said, and I had to just say, okay, I'm living for God, no matter what. So I never actually did go to college. I wanted to go locally and it just did not work out. I didn't have the funds. I, there are ways around that, you know, but I also had to work full time, all that. So it never happened for me. But as far as what that response was, it was a lot of family saying, you're crazy. What that is a cult. Like, why are you even wanting to be a part of that? Especially with the drastic change, like, you know, camp ends on a Friday. I got home on Saturday and I went through my closet and I went through my drawers and I went through my makeup drawer and I got all my jewelry out. And 
it was just these very realistic things that I knew that God didn't want for me. And so it was literally for my family. It was overnight. Who is this person and what has happened to you? And the fact that I was walking away from things that they knew, they knew that I drank, they knew that I did certain drugs. They knew, they knew those things and they probably didn't like it, but it was just considered normal teenage stuff to my family. But so even though I walked away from all that mess and was walking towards righteousness, you know, it didn't matter. And they didn't love that. They, they weren't proud of that or happy about that. They would rather me be crazy and wild as long as I didn't dress this way. And as long as I didn't choose God wholly, you know, fully. That's so crazy because when we see it, it's like, why would you not want your yeah. daughter to be doing this? Why would you not want her to live this life? And then to see all the blessings that God has given you now, but I will interject this as well and tell you just as a way of hope, you had me really teared up talking about the relationship with your mom. And I'll just add in for those that do not know, but my dad was a strong pillar in our church, but he had left our church and our family around 22 years ago. We got into drugs and things. And just over time, it made it to where we really weren't able to have a stable relationship with him. But when my dad came to church this time where he just decided to come and yeah. got deliverance and all those things that had been, so I, I didn't see him at all in 2021. And then in 2022, I seen him once at the I am play and then one other time before he got in church. So it had been years before I'd seen my dad and before that, not even had a relationship. So I can tell you when God delivers, he delivers and makes everything new and yes. he changes everything. And it's just insane because I'm around my dad all the time now and we're at church together. And honestly, it's more than I even prayed for, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I prayed that we would just know that he made it to heaven before he passed. I just prayed that he wouldn't have die of a drug overdose, but God did more than I prayed for. And so the Lord's going to do the same for your mom. I know that he is. Um, your family travels all over the country preaching and you do all these things. And you already mentioned that you're a mom of three. And I know that you homeschool as well. Um, you have so many things going on. You're a very busy lady, but what are some things that you might could say to the mom that seems to be doing it all right now? And you know, that overwhelming feeling of you've got so much going on. What are some words of encouragement that you might could leave her? I think number one, give yourself grace when you need it. Don't be so hard on yourself. I think most of the expectations that we feel, especially as a mom with a full plate or ministry with a full plate is I've got to do this, this, this. We have this whole list in front of us and it feels daunting and it feels like if it's not done to perfection, then it's not worth doing. But I think you can't actually do everything every time and just understand that you can't always get it all done. And some things might have to slip through the cracks. You might have to readjust your priorities. There might be things on your plate that you need to take off. So I, I guess if you're in a time of struggling and I have been there many times, just look at what you have and reevaluate, look and reevaluate. And I think number two, a big one for me, something about my personality I don't like asking for help. I, oh, I'm so bad at it. I hate to ask for help. I don't want to inconvenience somebody. I don't want to put somebody out. And at times that would even go 
to my husband, you know, and then I would be mad because he didn't read my mind and know that I needed help and that I was struggling, even though I had a smile pasted on my face, you know? So for me personally, it has been number two, communicate with your spouse. He can't read your mind, right? So a huge part of relieving the pressure for me happens when I tell him my need beforehand. If we're walking into a hectic day, which we have a lot of those and we just power through them. So if we're walking into a hectic day or I look at our schedule and on the calendar that week, there's a dot on every day. And I know, okay, this is a lot of driving. This is a lot of church. This is a lot of whatever. I let him know what's my expectation. I think, what is my expectation? What do I need? What do we need to do as a team? What do we need to be on the same page as this week? And so telling him beforehand, communication, right? That will help. And if you're mindful about it, that helps relieve the pressure. And I think one more thing is, and this is probably said a lot, but whatever it is, whatever the stress is, know that it's only for a season. And I can't tell you how many times I say that to myself in moments of high stress, but just knowing what is true is that it won't always be this way. It might feel like I'm always stressed. I'm always run down. I'm always run ragged, but it's not always going to be that way. So one, if you take some stuff off your plate, it won't always be that way. But also if it's just for a time, you think, okay, I can handle it for this week or I can handle it for this month or whatever it is. If you have young kids, it's just a little extra stress and it's not always going to be that stressful. So I have a a one, well, almost two-year-old, a three and a half year old and a six year old. So I know with the six year old, oh, when he was one and a half, like, like my youngest, it was hard and there were stressful things. But now at six, there's a lot he can do for himself. And a lot's been taken off my plate with time. So know that it's also only a season. I have said many times during motherhood, this too shall pass. This too shall yes. pass. <laughs> yes. And our bishop had preached a message and had given out in Solomon where it says, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much. And I remember rocking Ada as a newborn, not knowing her needs, first time mom, not knowing what to do, just saying, God, give me that wisdom and understanding exceeding much. I need that wisdom and understanding in my life right now to get through this. So motherhood is a lot of spinning plates and praying and (laughs) yes, but yes, as they get older, it does get better. But I love that you said that part about communicate because communication is not my strong point either. And I'm the get to that same point where I'm aggravated at the kids and I'm aggravated at my husband. And I'm just really upset with everyone around me and the circumstances around me. And most of it could have been avoided if I would have just communicated what I needed out of everybody at that moment. (laughs) So you also have a successful podcast that you run and you've helped me so much. Thank you from getting started. I love listening to yours. How did you get started doing that? I would love to tell you that it was like (laughs) this long dream fulfilled or something like that. But I, I have listened to podcasts for years and years and I always left them and I always thought I would love to do that. I wish I had the guts to do that, but I never had the guts. And so during COVID, my husband, Taylor, he bought literally in a span of probably three days, he got the idea. I want to do a podcast because he had a little more free time than normal. We were at home and he said, I want to do a podcast. And he starts researching podcast mics and asked one of his friends. It's real good at that stuff. And 
And then he just buys it. Like he doesn't second guess. He doesn't think that it's not my way. My way is like, think about it for months and then probably never do it. His way is he just gets the idea. He's going for it. So he got the mic. The mic came in. He downloads the anchor app. That's what I use to do my podcast. And so he downloads that and then he makes a name for a podcast. And then he records his first podcast episode. I'm not kidding. It, it was in like three or four days. Like It was in such a short span of time. But he never posted the episode because the next day he was like, I listened to that. I need to re-record it. Well, then he got busy again and he said, you know, I don't think that's my thing. And so we had this mic laying there. I'm like, you just bit, you know, a couple hundred on this microphone and you're not using it really. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to use that. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm knowing in the back of my mind, man, I should use that. Like it's there. Like, I don't even have an excuse. It's there. I should do it. And so in time, I I was like, what do you think? You know, about a week later after I've been, it's just been burning in me. That thing is not being used. And I have the time and I know I have journals full of thoughts and things that God had spoken to me from the very beginning. I have journals from when I was 18, you know, coming in and man, just fighting every day to live for God. I have journals and words that God spoke and, and visions and things I wrote down. And I had never felt the liberty to share. God had never really given me the go ahead to share. So there are all these stories and things that I had maybe never even told my husband. Some of it, obviously I had, but a lot, I just wrote down and wrote down. I'm like, God, one day you're going to let me say these things. And in doing the podcast, I didn't really pray about it. I just felt it. I just knew I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to suck it up and be bold and let go of any pride. What would people think if I fail or what if it's not the best? And it's not the best. I'm not great at the technical side of things. And and sometimes I forget my microphone altogether and I'm using laptop audio. And But, you know, I just have known that in this, God just wanted me to do it. Even if it's not perfect for years growing up, if I couldn't be perfect and if I couldn't be the very best, then I didn't want to do it. And so in this, I had to say that had carried into ministry in the, in the church for me. And so I said, I don't care. I'm horrible. I don't care if I stumble over my words, God, I'm just going to, I'm going to do what you've told me to do, you know? So I ended up doing it. I'm not consistently posting. I have a lot of kids and a lot of travel and some weeks don't you know, lend itself to being able to record, but I have recorded in all kinds of places. Like when we were in Little Rock, I recorded, my kids use sound machines at night. So usually at night's okay, but some houses it's like, you can still hear the sound machine. And so I got, I just felt something I needed to share. It's so, so bad. And it's so funny because it's one of my highest listened to episodes. It's recent, but it's even more listened to than my first few episodes. And um, I went in the Taco Bell parking lot in Sherwood and used their Wi-Fi and recorded the episode and posted it right there in Taco Bell. So it's definitely something that there are times that God just gives me a burden for a word to share. And I've been thankful for that outlet of just sharing what he's speaking to me and having that. I love that you were sharing that as well. So I got started as well with my husband's, this is his gear (laughs) and he was going to do a podcast with someone and he didn't use it. And 
I wanted to do a podcast for a long time too. Felt the exact same way, but why are men like that? Like they get an idea and buy, spend all the money. I would have never spent the money for this stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have never done any research and I would have never, you know, done anything, but I use anchor as well. Thanks to you for telling me about that. But it's just so funny how men just get this idea and they just do things and they go after things. And then why does it take us women so long? And we doubt, we think of everything that, you know, like they didn't even use it. They didn't even care. Right. They never even thought that they weren't going to use it. That thought didn't go through their mind. They just knew I'm doing this. It's going to be a new thing. Isn't that funny? But I love that you said that you went for it, even though it wasn't going to be perfect. Maybe speak to someone that's feeling that right now. They're feeling that pressure of it's not good enough. I'm not going to start out perfect. I'm not going to love it at first, but you know, that pressure is there. What is something that you would say to them? So I think for me, that um, nervousness and all that, it was linked to pride and it wasn't pride as far as, Hey, look at me. I'm the best. I think it wasn't like this puffed up pride, at least outwardly, but it was saying, don't look at me. And, and it wasn't really humility. It wasn't humility. It was, it was, don't look at me. And I guess fear of failing And so that was really hard to work through. I know that one time I heard my husband say this. So this is the story I'm going to tell you to answer that. My husband, someone asked him, we've seen a lot of miracles in our travels. And I mean, blind eyes open in America and things like that, that we're like, wow, God, you know? So someone asked him, they said, how do you get so bold to like, to pray for a miracle? How do you get so bold to just pray and put yourself out there because what if it doesn't happen? And he said this, he said, what I know is it's God who does it. So if it happens, God did it. And if it doesn't happen, God did it. And it wasn't me. And so to me, getting over that wanting to be perfect or that kind of false humility that I had, it was really just masked pride, but it was, Hey, if it's great. And if people love it, And if people are changed by it, okay, God did it. But also in that case, you're like, oh, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. That's not, you know, God, give glory to God, you know, all that, which we should do. But if I fail, okay, glory to God, because I just did what he wanted me to do. And I stepped out on a limb. So I think knowing the power is not in you and all the words aren't in you. You don't always have the right words to say and just saying, okay, God, if you feel it, if you truly feel it, whether it's been weeks of prayer, months of prayer or whatever, or if you just feel God pushing you do it and say, God, I'm trusting you and truly trust him and let him do it. And then know if I fail, if I flop (laughs) or if I fly, whatever it is, God, that was you. And maybe, maybe I need to step back and work on some things, but be okay that it's not perfect. And you don't have to be the best because we're just human and We're just vessels, right? That we're supposed to let God work through. That is so powerful. So I love everything that you've said. It's been so good, but you know, I feel like also along with God calling us to do something and to be something and us not going after those things, there's also sometimes a pressure to do something because, you know, we're to be something because everyone else is. You know, my mom used to say, but who's everyone else, (laughs) but in our minds as children, it's 
literally every single person we know. And in our minds as adults, we do the same exact thing. It's, oh, but it's what everyone's doing. It's how everyone is. It's, you know, everyone else is calling, but it may not be what God is calling you to be. And it may not be what God's calling someone on here that's listening to be. You may be being called to do something different, such as podcasting or something that you don't know. You don't have a friend that's already doing this. You don't have someone to look at. You're being caught out in uncharted waters for yourself. How could you push through those fears and those, those thoughts of doubt and just unashamedly be who God is calling you to be? So as, as an evangelist wife, when we first started evangelizing, we started in a lot of you know, country type of, um, Louisiana churches. Cause we live very close to Louisiana. And, um, I'll say that everywhere we went, someone said, sis, do you sing? And I never cared that I didn't sing. I just, this God didn't bless me with that, you know? And I would just say, Oh no, but my husband sings enough for the both of us. And cause he does, and he's great. But after a while, it was just really great on me because it was everywhere we went and it was multiple times or, or I'd say, no, I don't. And they'd say, are you, are you sure you don't? I'm, I'm sure you do. Everyone sings. And I'm like, I promise you, I don't. And you don't want to hear me. You know, I sing lullabies to my kids at night and that's the, <laughs> that's the max. But anyway, I, w- it left me because I was so new and I was insecure. You know, if you think I got the Holy ghost at 18, I, we got married when I was 23. So I'm, I'm 23 and um, I've only been living for God for five years and we're going into these places and we're supposed to be ministering. And I'm not sure how to do that in that setting because my comfort was Sunday school and teaching and things like that. But evangelizing, it didn't lend itself to those talents that God had already cultivated in me. And so I didn't sing and it shouldn't be a big deal, but it felt like a big deal. And it felt like an expectation that I couldn't meet. And that was con every, even now everyone asked, which is fine. Now I'm like, no, I don't. And I promise you don't want to hear me. You know, we laugh and whatever. And they'll say, well, what do you do? Someone said that before. And I said, I pray, you know, (laughs) but anyways, I felt a lot of just being inferior, being less than, because I didn't feel like I'm fit this certain mold, which who made the mold? I don't know. And everyone doesn't fit into that, but it was an expectation in those first places we went, especially, but also, so I had to learn how to just be like, I'm me and that's okay. And God didn't give me that. And that's okay. I'll be what you want me to be. And then I got asked very last minute once, and I want to share a story to speak at a ladies conference. And I had never done that. And I'd been doing my podcast for a couple of months and we were in town and their main speaker for their conference got COVID. And so she couldn't come in. And so Taylor does the night services for this ladies conference. It was his first ladies conference too. We did a first together. So he did the night services and I did a day session and I was terrified. I was like, this is just a big place and there's going to be a lot of people in there. And, oh God, I just don't think I can do that. even though even though I knew God had called me in that area, you know, but I had never yielded myself there. And so I I called a friend of mine, younger friend. And I said, I just confided in her and I cried. I said, I don't, I'm not even comfortable holding a microphone. You know, it's so dumb that that was my biggest thing. I I don't even, 
you know, you think like, what if I get up there and I turn the microphone on and it doesn't turn on or whatever, you know, all those awkward moments. And I just thought, I'm just so uncomfortable. I'm so, I don't feel like I can be what I think they want me to be. I don't think that I fit that speaker type of personality that they might want. I'm not funny. Like, you know, there's different things that you think I thought of I should be. And I was like, I don't, I don't have jokes to tell. I can't get up there and just sing before I speak, you know? And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And she just said this, she was, she's someone that's very comfortable in ministry and always been bold, always been confident. She's younger than me, but I called her and I just said, I'm terrified, you know? And all she said was this. She said, you can only be you. Just be comfortable being yourself and operating the way that you know how. And it left me with such a peace. I know it's so simple. Just be you. Be comfortable operating the way you know how. So what you've done for years, the way that you've operated for years or the way that God has used you, it might not look the same in different arenas, but it's the same spirit behind it. And it left me with a peace. And so I just share that. So someone that might be struggling to measure up or to fit a certain mold that you feel pressure to squeeze into, just know you can only be you. There's talents and dreams and giftings that God has specifically placed inside of you that will be lost and unused. If you're so busy trying to be like somebody else, you'll never measure up because you weren't meant to. And I know I've wasted a lot of time being uncomfortable with who I was and not sure how that would translate in ministry. But I just want to, I guess, encourage somebody, get comfortable with who you are, your strengths, your weakness. God made you with plan and purpose, and he'll use every part of your story if you let him. So just be you and slowly but surely walk in the promise and in the purpose that he has for you. That thing that you look at and you're like, I can't do that, God. I'm not enough for that. Just start walking. Walk is an action. And so that means you have to start doing something get busy and whether it's something seen or unseen, it really doesn't matter. You just get moving, get moving in the direction that God wants for you. Even if you feel like you're not ready to step in that, sometimes God shows us an end point, but really there's a journey to the end point. And so that journey to being able to operate in that calling, that end calling that you look at, you're like, there is no way we'll start moving and and let God use you and walk towards it and to see what he'll do, but for sure, get moving and get started and and just see what God will do with you. I think you just have to stop fearing what others may think and just be unashamedly you. Such a blessing. The words that you have used and I love when you said you yielded yourself. What a hard thing to do. It sounds so easy to just yield ourselves, but it's not easy. Sometimes yielding our thoughts and our fears and yielding the things that we feel like that we need to fit these molds and yielding our time and our schedules and our perfections, just yielding all those things to God, to be able to, to be used of him, which is what we all want. We all want to be used of God greatly. It's been such a blessing to have you on sister fish, the words that you have left the unashamedly you community. I know that they are going to be so, so blessed by this podcast. I know you're busy and I'm just grateful that you have agreed to be on to bless us today. Do you have any last words of encouragement that you would want to leave the unashamedly you community? You know what? Actually I do because recently God spoke something to me 
And I feel like it's an invitation to many. And so I'll be very quick and say this. A month or so ago, I felt just a strong burden one night. And um, I didn't know what it was. I laid hands on my kids. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost, praying over my kids. And I'm like, no, that's not it. You know, I just feel this heaviness. And I'm I'm in intercession, but I don't know what it's for. And I'm praying and I'm praying. And my kids are just laying there while I'm just praying in the Holy Ghost, you know. And later that night, I get up and I feel that kind of burden lift. And the next morning, the burden sits on me again. And or settles on me again. And I, I feel it. I'm just weighed down and I feel just emotional and heavy. And I'm like, God, I don't know what this is. And I'm, I'm just praying through the day. I'm just trying to pray and bust through it. And then I go and I sit on the couch. And when I sat on the couch, God spoke this to me. It's kind of heavy, but I'm, I really, I didn't know what I would say just now. I thought, no, I need to share that. I felt I need to share it. So God spoke to me and he said, you are to be an intercessor for end time harvest. And I just wept and I wept and I wept and I've been making sure that I give myself time to operate in that. And in my prayer time, praying for not just the souls, but also the workers of the harvest, praying that God will call more people, that more people will answer um, also just praying uh, for people across our world, praying for missionaries, praying for those that they're trying to reach, praying that those that are hungry and ready to come to the Lord would be found, you know, praying God would lead us to those certain people that are ready across our world. But anyways, the reason why I'm sharing it is because God spoke that to me and I wouldn't have told anyone that I had a friend the next day text me and say, I've had this heaviness. I've had this burden. I don't think it's depression, but it feels like depression. She said, and every time I go to prayer, all I can do is just cry and cry and cry. And I said, I told her, I said, it's intercession. God's calling you to intercede. And this is what he just spoke to me. And so she's like, wow, that is direction, you know? And so she wasn't sure what she was feeling. She just felt heaviness. And then my husband ended up saying it in a message. He, he, I have no secrets with him. If it's good, he's going to tell it, you know, or like if he thinks it's God, he's going to tell it. So he tells it in a service and someone comes else comes up to me afterward and says, I want to tell you that I needed to hear that because I have felt almost depressed. I wasn't sure if my hormones were out of whack or what, but every time I would walk into this church, it was at your church, you know, every time I'd walk into this church to pray every day when I'd come to pray, all I could do is just weep. All I could do is just cry. And I felt so emotional and on such a roller coaster and I didn't know what it was. And I said, God is calling you. And I know that he had my husband tell this because he is trying to round up intercessors for end time harvest. And I think that it's no secret and some people don't want to admit it maybe, but end time is here. I don't know exactly when, right? Like God doesn't let us know when and doesn't let us know how, and it doesn't matter if it's two years or if it's 20, I still end, you know, and um, whatever it is, I'm not putting a number on it. I'm just saying it doesn't matter how long. God is calling intercessors. So I know that there's a lot of people that have a lot of business ventures and different things and goals are important. And I know that's a lot of what this is about, but also I just want to tell someone that if you felt that heaviness, if you felt that just almost a grieving in your spirit, when you go to pray or when you think of certain family that's unsaved, I just want to tell you that there is an open invitation and God has had me share that there's an open invitation. So goals and dreams and all that, that's so great. But also know there is a need in the kingdom right now. And you can do both. 
you can be successful in business and successful in everything you put your hands to. And then you can go home and you can pray and you can intercede and pray for souls that are going to hell. If no one reaches them, they're going to hell. If we don't pray, they're going to hell. If we don't speak to them and try to win them. So that's a heavy last word, but there's a call for intercessors right now. And it's time that we heed the call. Our true goal in life is to live out the commandments of God. And he left a commandment to go and tell the world about him and about this. And so we have goals and we have aspirations. We have dreams and things, but the main goal is that we want to do the purpose of what God has us to do. And we want to do his perfect will and his perfect will is to intercede on behalf and to let others know he's coming and there's a good life that is waiting on them. So thank you yeah. so much for that call. And I felt this first Thessalonians five eleven, and felt like leaving this for you, sister fish. And the new living translation says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Thank you so much for being on this podcast and opening up. You have left us with so much more than just an encouragement in daily life. You've left us with an encouragement that is going to last eternally. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Unashamedly You podcast. We ask if this podcast blessed you in any way, go share it to your social media, leave us a review and subscribe so that you get the notification every Friday when our new episode releases. We pray that you have an amazing day and go and be unashamedly you.